All right, you're listening to another episode of the CTO Advisor Podcast. We have a return guest, my good friend, Alex Ellis, who uh, took time out of his busy day of building crafts and watching babies to uh, join us to talk about CI on ARM. Alex is the founder of OpenFast LTD. That LTD stands for he's not here in the U.S. because otherwise it'll be an LLC. Alex, welcome back to the show. Hey Keith, yeah, OpenFaz Limited, and it's as a as a company mainly represents OpenFaz, but now we've got Actuated as well. We're going to be talking so, about today. That's a new thing since we uh, last talked. What is Actuated? Yeah, so um, we've had customers on it for about twelve months now, and then going back probably six months before then was a lot of R and D I was doing with Firecracker, um, basically seeing what it could be used for. Because I've always liked containers and virtualization and, and being able to spin up servers and do stuff with them, tear them down again. And Firecracker is a, a tool from AWS that they use for running Lambda functions and for Fargate containers. And it's designed for short-lived ephemeral workloads, which sounds a bit like serverless, right? And so the reason that um, I was looking at that is I was maintaining extra servers, bare metal servers for all of our CI needs for OpenVAS for the software and other team developers, etc. ARM machines, x86. And um, it took me a long time to set them up. The packages um, would often conflict. So if one build needed one version of a package and another build needed a different one, they couldn't run at the same time. If they ran after each other, we had to clean it up. And there was none of that with a hosted runner because on GitHub's hosted runners, you get um, a clean Azure VM every time you do a build. There's no side effects, no software to install. Um, and whatever you do in there, it's going to be gone by the next time you get in again. And that's the experience wanted to recreate. How does the CI process get impacted if you're using, if you're developing for on ARM? Yes. Yeah, so the product that we've built is for both architectures. And there's a third one that, um, hasn't really hit mainstream yet, Risk Five. Um, that's still super early, but if you look at what's happening with Risk Five, it's very similar to what was happening with ARM, perhaps as early back as 2015 or maybe even earlier, which was you would want to perhaps run on an ARM device and there'd be packages missing, upstream projects without support, even operating systems and basic things like Docker that weren't available that you'd have to build the world basically to, to do this sort of stuff today the popularity of Apple Silicon in particular and all the work companies like Ampere uh, and Arm themselves have done around enablement, you can take um, some software that would normally run on an x86 server and run it almost exactly the same on an Arm server whilst getting benefits of uh, better power efficiency, uh, much higher density of cores um, and numerous other benefits. And so when it comes to CI, uh, it's very, very similar to a normal x86 workloads for actuated customers. But for GitHub today, you can't build ARM um, on their platform because they don't have the, the VMs that they haven't integrated into their system. And so you end up having to use an emulator called QMU. And I don't know if you've ever, ever, ever been here, you only tend to use QMU the first time you've got to build for ARM, called these maybe multi-arch Docker images, for instance, where 
open fats will run on a on a graviton on a, an ampere ultra and also on a regular ec2 instance so we build for both architectures we publish one image and then when that's running kubernetes or run on a just on, on a regular docker machine the computer pulls the right version of the software down and runs that instead and so that so, qmu uh, thing is just ridiculously slow that that's the um the kicker with it so it sounds like actuated if you're looking at it from like the developer operator perspective this is a all in one workflow so if i'm a pure operations group and i've you know i've kind of built my own alternative or workflow uh to to not uh necessarily create packages specifically for distribution but if i'm you know doing my own ci process and i want to dynamically select where i weren't run the workload at i need something like actuated or a process like actuated yeah so what we're providing with actuated is ephemeral immutable vms for ci and then what you do within that is entirely up to you um GitHub Actions really is a CI platform, but you can mm -hmm. run other stuff in there um, if you want to. And so I've some of the customers, yeah, some of the customers that we've adopted, like Toolpath, for instance, they build code um, with Julia and they were finding that their build process took six hours of compute time every PR. And we basically knock that down to um, one hour. Because you're building on essentially, the, the, I won't say bare metal, but native VMs that run on ARM or bare metal ARM itself. Yeah, so in this example with Julia, I believe that was all um, x86, but the speed increase we got there was by moving to the best-in-class, fastest processor with DDR5 um, RAM, MVME locally, and then these micro VMs are, are, are tiny, like they don't have PCI devices, that's not even built into the kernel. It boots directly into the init. And in less than one second, um, it's even started Docker. And so whatever you want to do in there, it's like a hermetic environment. Do what you need to do. Get your artifacts out. Ship them to the customer. Ship them to production. But but where we see the most um, dramatic speedups are um, with ARM. And it, and it can be with an open source project. It could be a commercial one. Um, one of the commercial ones I can think of um, would be uh, Waffle Labs. And they had this situation where um, the guy who was the operator had set up a self-hosted runner on a Graviton instance. Uh, he had to babysit it. He could only run one job on there at a time. And so the team was backing up and was really frustrated with it. It was very fragile. We moved them over to Actuated and a server from Equinix. And they were, they've been super happy ever since. Uh, nothing but good things to say. And their build is is a lot quicker. One other example, just quickly, of an open source project, because uh, GitHub said not to run the self-hosted runner for open source projects because it's not secure. You can leave side effects. People can potentially take over the account, uh, install malware on the host, etc. Um, so Ellie from Atuin, Atuin has this CLI tool that syncs all your bash history encrypted in the cloud. So if you talk about going from your I don't know, let's say like your desktop over to your Mac, and maybe use a Mac for traveling, all of your bash history would follow with you. Or if you went to a different, like a Linux device somewhere else in the cloud and you had Atwin installed there, it would sync it all. 
Now, she had a Rust binary that they were building with QEMU that I mentioned earlier, this emulation layer. It took 90 minutes. Um, she tweeted that it went down to three minutes hmm. by adopting Actuated. So talk to me how Actuated is deployed or delivered. Because in my mind, if I'm a platform group, I want to run this on-premises. I have my own bare metal. I have my own uh, uh, VMs. I have my own AWS account, and I can just deliver it. On the opposite side, if I'm used to using something like GitHub Ashton's, this is a lift while I benefit from the speed reduction. Wow, I have to lift to actually do... Uh, uh, administer the platform how is how is it delivered do, do i have both options or well, you know you you talk about this this lift well if you were to just try and use a self-hosted runner that's where you get the this this lift this friction and if you hmm. try to use uh one of the open source controllers that runs on kubernetes there's numerous issues with that there's a huge amount of administration to run it securely, you need to, to set up and, and look after a completely separate Kubernetes cluster. And, and if you use Docker at all, it's going to use a privileged container or it's going to mount the socket from the host um, or, or do any of these kinds of things. They are huge security malpractices. And really, uh, a lot of people do them because they just don't know any better or they think it's the only option. And what you end up with is potentially a very like a completely compromised system. We've actuated. What we've tried to do is match the experience of hosted runners as close as possible. So um, we do all of the integration with GitHub. We provide a dashboard, um, reporting metrics, some extra features like SSH debug for when you just can't get your build to work. And then all you do is bring a computer along that has KVM enabled installer agent and that's it right? once the agent's installed we remotely monitor it we look at the load we look if it's up or down we look if it's over provisioned under provisioned and we can tell you how things are going and we have a full level of support with it so basically you're not providing the compute itself you're com providing the control plane for actuated and ci in general uh, similar to something like a platform nine uh, or one of these other systems where the Kubernetes or control plane resides in the public cloud. And I push down an agent to whether it's my bare metal x86, bare metal ARM, VM, EC2 instance. Uh, it really doesn't matter just as long as it's a Linux uh, host. I put the agent on, send my package up, the uh, actuated orchestrates the the build of the package and then you know if there's an error or whatever it throws back to the dashboard but basically my compute whether that's local or in the cloud is just dumb compute for doing the actual build i mean that's what makes it so simple and actuated isn't even as complex as you described there it it basically has one one um one job on your compute which is find the best candidate for scheduling the vm start it with a secret token and then the vm itself uh, we'll just start the same runner that is unsafe to use otherwise in this hermetic environment that's immutable. And actually, it doesn't get involved with the code. It's not got access to the code. It's not running on our server. It's completely within your hardware. Um, and at the end of the build, it reboots the micro VM, which is the same as stopping it. 
and so that that's effectively why it's so simple and why we've been able to to roll it out to do over 140,000 builds now with largely no issues. So from a communications perspective, let's talk about kind of that security. When I'm pushing the code, where's the code? Uh, where's that communication channel? Is it from my desktop client where I'm developing the code, my uh, code repository straight to the KVM instance that I'm dictating or does it flow up to the cloud and down? So the first thing that um, we should say is actuated isn't building your code. There's no awareness of, of what is in your repositories or if, mm-hmm. even necessarily um, what what is going on inside that VM. Its only job is to receive webhooks from GitHub that say that a job is needed. It looks at the labels to see if the labels are one it looks after or not. If it is, it will then use its scheduler to inspect your fleet, find out the best place to put the micro VM, obtain a secret for you that can only be used once that the runner will use to register itself. And that's it. Like it doesn't know anything else beyond that. And then if the build fails, well, that just goes back to GitHub in the GitHub UI. And with our dashboard, we just provide some visibility of how many VMs are running, how many servers you've got, the capacity. And then something that GitHub doesn't do is organization level metrics. So we can show you who's uh, who's the heavy hitters on PRs, um, who's got a lot of PRs that are failing, um, which repos are getting the most action, the longest build, average build time, etc. And we can do that across the whole month and contrast it to the previous one. So you can look maybe as we come into Thanksgiving and and uh, the festivities, you'll probably see your month by month comparison on our dashboard take a real nosedive. So from a capacity and performance management perspective, as I'm thinking through whether or not I either move resources uh, from a different pool of compute to my CI capability so I can gain, you know, additional agility. How do I get insight from the platform to know, hey, you know what, if I either uh, went with a bigger EC2 instance or uh, added more RAM to my ARM instances, I will get better performance. I've gotten better performance. So ultimately, the, ma- the main thing that happens when people adopt a platform is they'll see at least a three times improvement. And they're just so happy with that. They're, they just move on and, and get on with their, their work. What we can do um, is we've got the load averages of every server in the fleet. Um, we can let you know, for instance, if, if your server is dramatically underutilized, you might be able to get a smaller one or if it's really being pushed. So we look at the load average and the load average often um, correlates quite nicely with the amount of threads in a machine. So let's say you've got um, the, the equivalent of 32 threads, like a modern Ryzen 16 cores. If your load average is going over that, chances are you could benefit from a second server so you can spread your jobs out more. Um, or or perhaps you know, you're running too many too many VMs on there need to reduce the core count and there's various other things that can be done um but really this this for most people is a plug and play experience you come on uh join our slack we'll often ask you what your previous build times were because we want to see what the the improvement is we'll recommend a server there and then or you can look at our docs to find one that fits your needs um and then if people don't see an improvement 
they obviously won't keep paying us, right? Because this is a this is a product, a high value product, a very technical product to deliver, and so we try and make it as simple as possible, support people as much as they need, mainly around their onboarding experience, and then for the most part, we don't hear a lot from people other than, you know, like good good things. Um, there is a mixture. So one of our one of our customers buys refurbished servers, puts them in their own data center, and they run all of their builds over three uh, large bare metal hosts. We have others where we'll refer them to places like Hetzner, and they'll get a super fast uh, Ryzen nine, and they'll see even like a something like a five minute build, which you might think, oh, that's great, come down to one minute. Um, and when you're pushing PR after PR, or you've got you know, like five, six people in the team pushing code, going from five minutes to one or 15 to three is quite a big uh, difference in that experience. So have you gotten a fairly new project? So two questions. One is on compliance. Have you gotten uh, any customers who've been audited since deploying the solution and have auditors paid it any attention or they're just not that far deep in the weeds? So I... We have had one company ask whether we were SOC 2 compliant. Um, the thing is, you need to get to a certain size or you need to perhaps be a VC-funded company to go and do SOC compliance before you have product market fit and before you have your first, I don't know, 500 customers. So it's it's generally not something that is that important for the current suite of customers we've got, but I can certainly see it becoming more important as we get uh, more and more people on. I think one of the things that that helps mitigate concerns is that you can run the runners on your own machine. Our application has no access to your code whatsoever. Um, it doesn't have the API permission to clone your code or look at it. And so really that compliance fall, then falls down to the GitHub runner and GitHub is uh, SOC 2 compliant. This would be, actuated would be uh, extremely interesting to my audience, this ability to say, hey, we're just going to take the code from our developers uh, using our selected automation tool uh, and our, you know, our uh, selected deployment tool, run it through, run, use Actuated to compile the code for the platform that we desire because we're switching from, there's the desire. I don't know if there's actually customers trying to do this, but there's a desire to do this switching from x86 to ARM to chase the best performance. One of the pieces of research we're looking into is taking a deep dive at looking at Graviton versus x86 in general and the lift associated with moving code from one platform to another. Yeah, This seems to be a potential solution to that problem. Have you gotten customers that want to do uh, portability between platforms? Well, that's definitely a concern for, for Das Swiss uh, data center um, for humanities in Switzerland. They um, they build code for x86 and for ARM because they don't know um, where what they distribute is going to be used. And they, um, they do have customers that deploy to Graviton, especially V3, which is the latest generation. If you're doing any benchmarking, we benchmark uh, Graviton 1. And it was incredibly slow. Um, it's one of the cheapest ways to get bare metal on AWS is the A1 metal, the original instance. But if you compare that to their latest generation, um, 
the v3 just wipes the floor with it and so you've you've really got to look at what is the clock speed um of the processor is a single core multi-core what is the ram speed um, have you got NVMe locally installed, or is this a normal SSD? Is a spinning rust? There's a few factors that come into it, and then it can even come down to um, like network speed as well. If something is maxing out the system, if you've got a one gigabit connection, or you've got maybe half a gigabit, you're potentially going to be um, twice as fast. One of the things that um, I mentioned earlier on is the security aspect to this, and how for certain of our Customers having open source repos and knowing they're being built in ephemeral environments um, for ARM is really important for them, right? For the speed increase, for the accessibility, it's much nicer to contribute to a project where it doesn't take one and a half hours to get feedback, but three minutes. And so um, Ampere, who make the, the Ampere Ultra server, this is available on Azure, um, Google Cloud, Oracle Cloud, Alibaba Cloud, and potentially a few others as um, in a VM format on Equinix Metal as bare metal and Hetzner as bare metal. These these servers are just becoming like the the place and way to get ARM right today. So they they approached me because we'd been talking to the CNCF about providing actuated for a number of projects that are having these same problems, slow builds, worrying about security or having teams maintaining servers. And so we've signed a signed a pilot deal for the first year, and we're going to get a, a number of projects onto that. The first one was FluentBit. They provide a, like a log aggregator that some of your customers and your audience might use to basically collect logs, traces, metrics, system information back to centralized point to manage all their servers and infrastructure. So that, that um, project team, they were running to six hours because they were using QMU to try and emulate ARM instructions. And six hours is where GitHub Actions actually cuts you off. So they just couldn't get that build done at all. Um, now, Patrick Stevens has been really uh, complimentary about the product. He's gone and spoken about it. Um, we basically got it down to five minutes. So from them not knowing if it would pass in six hours, it finishes in five minutes. That's now under the CNCF deal with Ampere. And the second project we got across was at SETID, which is the key value store inside Kubernetes that has all of the state so that all the other components can effectively be stateless, restart, scale up, scale down. It's almost like a database, if you like. That is now building on Actuated as well. And we're currently um, talking to Cilium um, to get their projects brought across. So the CNCF and Ampere definitely see this as a problem that needs solving. They see value in that ARM platform being available for people that either want to run an IoT device, or maybe on, at the edge, or maybe they want to run on a, on a Ampere server, or maybe they want to run on a Graviton if they're AWS customers. Hmm, that's really interesting, and I, and I really love the insight from Graviton One to Graviton Three. We're some of the research that we're doing is Graviton One to Graviton Two, and then Two to Three the the that migration process, a migration of code is not the optimization of code is another topic that man you can discuss one day. But that's not even it's not as straightforward as a process as you would think. So uh, it's uh, you you folks are doing a lot of the heavy lifting, the, a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that we really don't think about. Uh, 
I'm it's it's new to me that people are actually using QM in a any kind of effective way because it's not a platform that I've played with in probably twelve years because it just wasn't one, it's not a great virtualization platform in general. And then two, uh emulating, doing any level of emulation is not uh typically production stuff. We would do we would use it to do risk previous versions of uh, risk to x86 but not uh i haven't uh ran into too many people in my life that do it for arm emulation so it's interesting to see that the project is still kicking strong but not uh probably fit for this case i think mean, some of the time is okay i have a few open source projects i maintain where we use it because it's just you know it's free, it's easy, it's available. That's why most people start with it. But as soon as you bring in a dependency or two or try to run some end-to-end tests, you go from three minutes to 30 minutes to three hours. You know, it's like an exponential gain in time. And it might just be, oh, I just want to run some unit tests and go. And now you have this huge, um, huge issue. So we get around that by using the native platform. And then we get around the security and immutability problem by using an immutable VM disk with Firecracker. Firecracker doesn't even have a a PCI um, driver built into it. It literally has storage, um, one one key keyboard. It doesn't have any GPU support. Um, So it's very, very lightweight, comes up really quickly, a great API. And some of the stuff I've been doing over the last 18 months is just telling people how to use it. Um, talking about different use cases. And we actually had a kind of a, a separate scenario come up recently with OpenFAS and a customer that was getting to sort of 3,500 functions. And then they saw like a 10 minute delay before the next one would come into the system. And I figured that I would need 30 VMs on Azure, on, on AWS or Azure to reproduce a problem, which would cost me $1,500 for the duration of the test. And so I was actually able to use Firecracker to slice up uh, my own bare metal machine, my, my workstation, and the, the Ampere machine I have behind me uh, into 60 VMs, so double the amount, found the problem, um, fixed it, and then was able to test up to 15,000, you know, with bringing a third machine on and splitting that up and having, I think we had like a 120-node cluster, all in in VMs, and, you know, Actuated is a, is a cool product. It's really helping people. People are paying for it. That's the business model. You pay for it if you think it's valuable to you. Um, but Firecracker's technology has so many different use cases. Yeah, the we've been a fan of Firecracker for quite some time here. Uh, micro VMs in general, uh, the ability to run basically stripped down uh, VMs with the minimum kernel uh, speeds that n- not quite as fast as containers for spinning up, but close enough for most people and you get the full full security of uh isolated kernel there's a lot to like yeah alex i'm going to leave you with one bonus question that has nothing to do about what we talked about because i just haven't gotten the chance to talk to you about and this is a related topic to the whole tofu versus terraform uh, stuff that's going on in the open source community. I'm coming out of HashiConf. Uh, it's probably been about three weeks now, two or three weeks since I went to the yeah. show. Not a lot of talk, surprisingly, at 
a enterprise IT conference about open source uh, projects that are emulating what the proprietary software vendor is doing. Surprise, surprise, it's an enterprise IT show. And I think people forget that about uh, the folks at HashiCorp, their enterprise IT shop. What has been, uh, amongst your peers, you run an open source project, a pretty popular one. What have been the feedback from your peers about the friction happening in the open source community? So, I mean, when you talk about my peers, I'm I'm a business owner, an employer. Uh, you know, I, I'm trying to solve problems and make money at the same time um, to pay to pay payroll. Now, not just that, but I want to grow the company, add more people, have the revenue to back it up. So, we've actuated. It is nothing about it is open source. It has an open source CLI, the docs website. It's a hard lesson to learn that people don't pay for what they can get for free especially in the context of open source software. And nowhere have I sort of learned that more than with OpenFAS and the last six, seven years of, of building that. So I think there's a lot of people that are ready to share opinions and come in, you know, in, in their armchair position and criticize. Unless you have run an open source project and tried to make payroll at the same time, I don't think any of us are really entitled to have an opinion here until you have done. And then I think you might find it's more nuanced uh, than people let on. Well, I really love that answer. Very diplomatic. And uh, I think very accurate. I've, I've watched your journey over the past few years. I'm really happy for the success of Actuated. If people want to learn more about Actuated, how can they find you? Yeah, so um, if you want to look at the CNCF announcement or the docs, or, or like you said, how does security work? actuated.dev or on Twitter, we have the account at self-actuated and very easy to find on the internet. Um, go have a look, poke about, ask us questions, look at a case study. I'm very happy to talk to people who might be interested. I'm glad you found the model that works. If you want to find out more about the CTO Advisor, you can follow us on the web, thectoadvisor.com. We're now a Futurum Group company. We'll continue to do the integration on the back end. You want to find out more about Futurum Group, you can find us on the web, futurumgroup.com. Talk to you next CTO Advisor podcast.